Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. Are you ready for some movement? Some of you are looking freaked out, like, is he going to make us dance? What is he talking about? When I talk about movement, we're talking about moving forward. There's a theme this mom, this mom, this this month about about movement. So we're going to move forward. This morning we're going to move stones. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got to move it, move it. You've got to move it, move it. All the, all the hearers of the faith had to move it. They had to move it, move it. They had to take their foot and put it in front of the other one. When God spoke to Abraham, he said, go. He didn't know where he was going, but he had to take a foot and he had to create some movement. Before we begin this morning, can you turn to one or, or two other people and say, you've got to move it, move it. You've got to move it, move it. I, I don't know where I got that one-liner from. It might have been from a movie or a Disney movie or something, but it is a good line. Uh, some of you are trying not to visualize that, that hippopotamus's bottom in your mind as you're saying you've got to move it, move it. So it's important the words, not the visuals this morning on moving. So the, the, this morning I, I, I want to look at moving the stones or moving boundary stones. In the Bible, moving boundary stones can be seen as a positive or a negative thing. In the Old Testament, there are verses where it talks about not moving the boundary stones. That's talking about people's lands and people's properties. So it's important that we don't steal. We don't move things that we aren't allowed to move. We don't take things that are not ours to take, that we keep these boundary stones. But this morning, when I'm talking about boundary stones... I'm talking about things where God wants us to move some things. It might be a transition from one season to the next season. So when I'm talking about movement, I'm talking about boundary stones that are going to be moved. I'm talking about boundary lines that need to be moved. And all will become apparent in the next few minutes, believe it or not. So the word behold, the word behold means to look and see and um, it's, it's used in the Bible over 1,500 times, 1,530-odd times. And it means to behold, look and see. And often God says, look and see what I'm about to do. And this morning, I want to pronounce to you, behold the boundaries. Behold, look and see your boundaries. Look and see the land that you're about to take. Look and see the season that you're coming out of. And the boundary and the abundant field that you're about to go into. Get ready, saints. Behold, the boundary stones are moving. So bounds means limits or restrictions that are placed. And when a man or woman of God grows in faith, there's something about our territorial taking. means that as we expand, the, the, the territory that we can take will expand as well. So transitioning, so transitioning season takes great discernment and insight from the Holy Spirit. So as we transition, as we understand, some of us need prophetic words or coached 
or pastored or insight or a conversation or something to take place to get us from one season to the next. I don't know about you, I, kinda, I operate prophetically. I prophesy over people all the time, have prophetic conversations with people all the time. And one of, my, one of the disadvantages is where I want to take some steps and stones and, and break out, I often don't have a clue what's going to happen in the next season. And often I can't see the wood for the trees. And sometimes I've got to say to a brother or a sister or a group of people, just say, can you pray for me? Just see what you sense the Holy Spirit saying. And when they speak it out, it becomes obvious that this is what we should be doing next. Or this is the steps one needs to take. Because sometimes it needs somebody else to give us that insight and that foresight to get it moving, to get it going. Because sometimes we're blinded to our own potential or to what the Holy Spirit's doing within us. And that's how it's important that we have the right surround sound, the right voices to make right choices as we move forward. I'm, I'm going to use two examples this morning as, 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 as we look at transitioning, as we look at discerning the boundary stones. I'm going to talk a little bit about David, then I'm going to go on to, from the New Testament to speak about John the Baptist. So one is King David. And the, the, when we talk about David, there's something significant about David. David, as we know, was a man who was called, did he slay Goliath? Yes, he did. Was, he put, was there armor put on him by his brothers and his fellow brethren that was too big for him? Yes, he walked in that. Did he have to pick up his stone and his sling and create some movement to bring about his first victory? Yes, he did. So we know a little bit about David. David King in Hebrew, it means Dodd. I love his name, Dodd. I remember, guys, when I was growing up, those people called Dodd. And I thought, why are they called Dodd? But I'm thinking, man, that's so prophetic. All, all, all these pagan people prophesying the kingship and Christ and all these Davids that were going to emerge and arise in the kingdom. I, I get rather excited about these things. But behold, David would arise as the king. But there's something that happened within the life of David where stones would have to be moved. And I'm talking about spiritual boundaries and spiritual stones within his life. Saul was the king and had a successor. Who was his successor? David. David was Saul's successor. So David was raised up as king. He was anointed by Samuel because Samuel knew that God was not pleased. He wasn't very pleased with Saul because there was rebellion in his heart. So God had to position David. But here's the thing. For David to be announced king was one thing by the prophet. For David to function as king was another thing. It took nearly 15 years for David to function operationally as king. David went on to a cave. David went to various other places with a band of brothers, forming them and shaping them to be who God wanted them to be, mighty warriors in David or in God, God's mighty warriors. But what happened is there's some great transition that took place. You see, David was overseeing how many tribes of Israel was there? Twelve tribes of Israel. So the twelve tribes of Israel, David only oversaw, how many did he oversaw? He oversaw two. Two. That's how many were under his authority. Only two tribes. So something had to take place that would be a game changer for David. 
because all these other tribes were fighting under Saul. And after Saul died, something took place where there was a change of loyalty and a change or an affiliation to the anointing that was on David. You see, something took place in David's life that brought alignment for assignment. Something took place that brought about change. God had to rearrange the furniture. But what happened was Mount Hebron is where David climbed up that's higher than Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was the city they would eventually take, but something took place at Mount Hebron. And I would call it a Mount of Covenant. I'll tell you why, because it's where the ten tribes came and the leaders took a covenant with David and swore that they would serve with him. You see, the boundary stones began to move when David was anointed by Samuel, but they didn't officially move until there was alignment for assignment. That 15-year journey was a journey of pain. That 15-year journey was a journey of difficulty. That journey was a journey of supernatural provision. That, was, that journey was a journey where God showed David who is king. David was just his underling king. David was the king of Israel. David was, was the one who would take Jerusalem. But David was under the authority. You had to recognize Saul, but it wasn't until God aligned and assigned and released him that something took place. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes the boundary move is not instant. Sometimes it moves in the spirit, but the catch-up in the natural can take 15 years, or maybe five minutes, or maybe 15 months. I don't know. But there's something about moving boundaries is that there has to be movement within the man or the woman of God. Faith has legs. Faith has action. Faith has movement. Faith has momentum. To get from movement to momentum, there has to be movement in the first place. So people have to move. Ladies and gentlemen, your faith requires that you walk out your faith. That you don't just talk your faith, but you walk your faith out. And sometimes it can be an incredibly difficult journey. But I believe this year, behold, God is moving some boundary stones. God is moving some things so that we can step into the places that He wants us to step into, do the things that He wants us to do. Some of us are wearing cloaks from old seasons. You see, David was cloaked by his brethren. They assumed and they put upon him what they thought was his destiny that he would be an armor bearer, that he would wear certain clothes to do a certain task. But some of you know that some of the things that are being placed and put on you don't fit anymore. And it's time to arise in the things that God has given you to do. Amen? Come on. So I want to, I want to also um, look at a different movement here this morning as well. We've looked at David, and I said I'd look at John the Baptist as well. So if we jump on to the next slide, we'll see John the Baptist. John the Baptist, man of God. John, John the Baptist prophesied that he'd be like Elijah coming to prepare the way of the Lamb of God. But I believe that John, in his greatness, was a man who was lost in transition. Because it's easy to get lost in transition. John, John baptized who? Who did he baptize? Jesus. So John's baptism was a, bit, a baptism of repentance, where people had to confess their sins and break things and uh, get baptized by John. And we don't know how many hundreds of thousands were baptized, but some historians put up at least half a million. I, I don't know the exact number. I wasn't there with a the counter going. <laughs> I didn't have the counter. And I don't know the guy that had the counter. And I don't know if he passed it down the line to somebody else. It might be recovered 
uh, a document might be re recovered soon. You know, the archaeologists are finding things. There might be the document that says there was half a million or a million people baptized by John the Baptist. We're like, wow, that guy Gordon was right with his half a million prediction. <laughs> so who knows what will, what will be on earth, but we'll find out one day in glory. But John, John was a baptizer of people, and he was getting people to confess that they no longer wanted to walk in the sin, but they wanted to walk in righteousness with God. They, they wanted to repent of the sin. John was a man of the wilderness. Jesus was a man who happily walked around the towns and villages announcing the kingdom. Two different messages, slight difference in message. Jesus' message was a message of repentance, but John's was full-on repentance. And uh, Jesus was announcing the kingdom as he went to, to go out and preach. So John announced that Jesus humbled, humbled himself and came under the baptism of John. And the voice came out and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So the voice of the Father affirmed Jesus on his journey into the wilderness where he fasted and prayed for 40 days. You can read about it in the, uh, gospel, the Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew, where it gives a fuller account about how he resisted the enemy. And he came out. And then he called his disciples and started his ministry. Powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. But here's the thing. Something happens in John. John doesn't know how to transition his season. He doesn't know how to move it, move it. He's stuck in a wee rut. It says in Matthew 11, Meanwhile, John, John heard in prison. John had been imprisoned by Herod. He was doing some jail time. He heard in prison about the works of Christ. And he sent two of his disciples to ask him, listen to this question from John, after John baptizing them, voice comes from heaven, this is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. Ask, are you the one who was to come, or should we look for someone else? What a question from John. He just baptized Jesus. I don't know exactly how many days or weeks earlier, but then he's like, uh, are you the one? Are you really the one? There's something going on within John. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the one who does not get offended on account of me or fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the wind? Otherwise, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? Look, those who wear fine clothing are found in king's palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Then Jesus says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has risen no, no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subject to violence, and the violently claimed it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. So Jesus is honoring John. But John, Jesus said that last part of his statement out with the hearing of John's disciples. All he said was all the signs and wonders, the miracles, all the signs are that he's preaching the kingdom, go back and tell them. But John, Jesus was aware that there might be an offense in John's heart. John did not know how to transition. 
John did not know how to move the boundary stones. Jesus did. But here's the thing. We know that John came to fulfill. John fulfills what was spoken about in the First Testament Scriptures. John fulfilled all these things. What we know of John is that John eventually, you know, um, Herod, Herod and Herod, I've forgotten his wife's name, Mrs. Herod, she, she, she got her daughter to do, she, oh, sorry, so there's a woman who got her daughter to do a wee sexy dance in front of King Herod, and he got a wee bit excited, and he said, I'll give you anything up to half my kingdom. And the girl got her mother to say, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter, Jezebel in action. So John the Baptist got beheaded because of the spirit of seduction, working through someone who wanted to bring down the king. And the power of that spirit didn't want half his kingdom. The power of that spirit wanted the head of the prophet. That's how the devil operates. You see, John, John was transitioning from one season to the next. And I think what happened is John had fear at his heart. John knew that something unsavory was coming. And Jesus warned him not to have a fence in his heart. Do you know why he warned him? Because Jesus knew what was coming. Jesus only did what the Father told him to do. But I believe that Jesus knew something was up. And John was, uh, Jesus was saying to John, John, keep your heart squeaky clean because you're about to go to be with the Lord. And I believe what, what a wonderful message from Jesus because Jesus moved the boundary stones. Here's the boundary stones. John preached repentance and baptism. Jesus preached the kingdom. So there's a transition from one season to the next. The boundary stones John prepared in one ministry, Jesus preached in the next. I'm not saying anybody here this morning is going to be beheaded in case you're misreading my sermon. But I remember a number of years ago, it was actually 30 years ago, I was in another nation, and I got in conversation with a man of God who'd birthed something quite exciting in this nation where God was just seemed to be moving amongst them in all that they were doing. And uh, he was, he was an into, uh, like a really, really bright guy. He was really smart, uh, highly educated, degrees and PhDs and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he got saved. His four sons have all graduated at Oxford University on the same day. So there's like smartness and braininess in the family. Anyway, he went to sea. He was at his wit's ends because everything he was trying in one nation before he went to this other nation was failing. He was trying to do all this stuff for God. And some of it worked, but a lot of it wasn't work. And he went to see this crazy old, I mean, wonderful prophetic man of God. <laughs> and this crazy, pro I mean, this wonderful man of God said to him, he said, you're going to have a John the Baptist experience. And he was like, oh, thank you. He said, you mean I'm going to go and preach in a desert or I'm going to preach repentance? He said, no, you're going to get your head chopped off. He said, really? He said, no, spiritually, you need, you need to have your head chopped off. And he said, why is that? He said, because your mind is, is going ahead of God. Your mind is overthinking the plans of God. And he was in complete shock. And he went home and he just said, God, I did not expect that word. I expected a word like, Kurabasadara, a guy praying in tongues over him. Then, man of God, I'm going to raise you up as a mighty man. I'm going to take you to this nation and that nation. But no, he got one. Uh, you're going to you need to lose your head. <laughs> your head's going to get chopped off. You need to bow your in intellect before the Lord and allow me to use you and you let your intellect come in after my Holy Spirit moves. And he was shocked. And the thing that happened was 
he, he struggled with that, and he stressed and he strained with that because there was boundaries, and he didn't know how to transition. But as he began just to trust the Holy Spirit, give us a day, day, our daily bread, little by little, things began to emerge. And they've now got over 100 churches in over 24 nations of the world, or they're in 24, sorry, 100 cities in 24 nations of the earth. Why? Because he bowed before the king, and he learned to transition as painful as it was. It was like a kick in the head. Somebody saying that to him, he, he just couldn't cope with it. But he said, God, I just believe it's you. Help me, help me. And as he asked the Lord for help, every day he would read, he'd study the Word, he'd ask the Holy Spirit, and he'd just say, Lord, guide me, lead me, and he'd meet someone, and something would happen, and he just learned to obey and trust God on a daily basis. Isn't that wonderful? So, so here's the thing, is that God is, is moving boundary stones. God wants us to be boundary stone movers and shakers. God wants us to transition from one season to the next as a church, but also as the saints of God. God wants you to transition into your promotion. God wants, God wants to promote His people. He wants to bring His favor to manifest in and through His people. And I believe that some people who are routed in fear. There was a song this morning about fear. I don't want to fear. I don't want to fear. I was going, God, that's, that's for some people here because fear, fear is your compass. Fear is your friend. Fear needs to be, you know, we need to learn to manage fear because if, if I go, if, I, if I'm standing on top of a, a, a 15-story building and the edge is here, if I fear, that's called a good fear. But here's the thing. Somebody once taught me about heights don't fear heights, respect them. Because when you allow fear in, your stomach goes, your mind goes, you go crazy, your legs go like jelly, your belly goes. So someone, something malfunctions. You see, fear has power, and fear is a spirit. And we need to recognize that fear can dominate a man or a woman's life. I don't want to be dominated by fear. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Come on, saints, it's time to set some new boundaries and say, I'm not bound by fear. I'm not bound by this thing anymore, but I'm going to be led and operate under the Holy Spirit's power. Can I get an amen from anybody here this morning? Come on. He wants to do it in us and through us for His glory. Some of you, I'm speaking prophetically now, some of you are going to move some stones. Some of you will be moving here. Some of you might be moving away, but God is saying, I want you to recognize the season that you're in. One of the 12 tribes of Israel that David, sorry, one of the tribes that worked with David and came under him in his covenant connection at Hebron was the tribe of Issachar. And it says that these men understood the times and the seasons in which Israel lived. They knew what God was doing. They anticipated it. They interpreted it. And they knew what was going on. I, my prayer this morning is that there's a, a spirit or, or, or an awakening of like the Issachar, we understand the times and seasons that we're in. We understand the times and seasons of what's going on in the world, but we also understand the times and seasons and the rhythms and the patterns of what's going on in our lives. Saints, behold the birthing. The boundary stones are moving, but God is going to birth some ministries in this place. God is going to birth businesses within people. God is going to birth like educational charities within people. God is going to birth things within you for His glory. God's going to birth a second rate or a tertiary or a, 
corsary or whatever it's called, career within you, that you move on to the next things. Some of you, the Spirit of God might be stirring you up to do uh, another master's or a PhD, and you're saying, God, I'm in my 60s, this is not my time or season, but the Spirit of God is stirring you up here this morning. Some of you might be saying, Lord, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in my final innings, and, and I'm this age or that age, but God's saying, I want to use you powerfully for the glory of God. I heard about a lady recently who was between 80 and 85. She established an orphanage in another country. And as she, she felt God ask her to go, she spent all her savings, all her money on this, on this orphanage, on, on this work of God. And as she spent all her work, money on this work of God, her, her kids didn't get an inheritance, but her kids were delighted because she served the Lord and she served them faithfully in that time and that season of her life. She didn't let go of God. She said, God, I've, I don't allow these fear, these boundaries to contain me. I want to move into the next season that you've got from me. And she obeyed the Holy Spirit. She could have said, I'm too old. I've got false teeth. I've not got enough hair. I, I don't look smart enough. I don't look cool enough. I've not got the energy of a 25 year. She could have come up with 101 excuses. But you know what her voice was? Yes, Lord. And that's the key. The key to break boundaries is just to say, yes, God. When David rose up with um, Goliath, he rose up and he said, yes, God. Yes, God. This is the moment. He sensed the Holy Ghost and he said, yes, God. This is the time and this is the moment. John the Baptist knew his time. Jesus knew his time. The disciples knew the time. They knew how to transition as the church got persecuted in Jerusalem and scattered out, they recognized it's something new, that God was doing a new thing. I want to show you a little video this morning of um, a, a guy who's a footballer who got baptized. I'm hoping the video works. And uh, the, uh, the last time uh, I mentioned uh, there was a pop star. What's the guy? He's Mr. West, Kanye West. That's it. He's, he's become a Christian and he's singing all these crazy Jesus music stuff. It's wonderful. And uh, all these good-looking actors and stuff uh, are, are joining all you other good-looking people that have got saved. So your ranks are swelling. Brad Pitt and all these guys are talking about how he's got to come back to Jesus and his faith and all these things. So congratulations, all you wonderful-looking people. There's more of your ranks coming in. So, so there's footballers and there's people coming to faith in Jesus. But there's one guy who posted on social media this week. Are we ready to play the video? Let's do it. Let's watch it. Amen. So that's uh, Roberto. What's his name, Roter? Roberto Firmino has given his life to Jesus. And the goalkeeper from Liverpool FC called somebody Allison. Can't remember what country he's from. Eh? Breca from Brazil. He's a great footballer, goalkeeper. Anyway, so the other guy's got saved. He's got baptized and they're celebrating it. And that's what's happening at the best football club in the world. Come on, let's celebrate what Jesus is doing. So if he can move in Liverpool, he can move in Dundee. Amen? Come on. So, some of you were looking at that video thinking, where's that boy who gets his teeth whitened? They're really white, nice and bright. It's the other guy, another guy that goes around biting people. I'm like, man, he's got really white teeth. I'm not thinking of the guy with a chunk out his shoulder. How selfish of me. But this, this morning, we want, we want to behold, we want to celebrate what Jesus is doing. But I want to say to you here this morning that Jesus can move in your sphere, in my sphere, whatever that may be. 
and that people can come to know Jesus. There's something getting shaken up in the world. We can, we can look at the news and get overwhelmed by Prince Harry, no being Prince Harry anymore or whatever he's called. We can get overwhelmed by these things. But here's the thing. Pray for these guys. Pray for Prince Harry. Pray. He's maybe fed up of all the, all the, all the what do you call it, the official stuff. He's maybe just fed up and he maybe wants to know the real king. Come on. So pray for these guys because it's easy to make judgments and statements through newspapers and what the media are saying. And they've got all these judgments on all these, the Queen and Prince William and Charles and Harry and his wife and all these judgments being made. But here's the thing. Jesus loves them all. He has a plan and the purpose. The Queen makes clear her Christian faith and what she says. So let, let's believe by faith that God can move in power in our atmosphere, in our nation, but also in your sphere, in your nation, in your place of influence. Let's believe that at the bus stop or wherever you stop, that you can speak to someone and they'll be impacted by your words. I know people in this church who just pray for people on the beach as they take their dog or their cat or their rabbit, whatever animal you've got, or your monkey, for a wee walk. They take the pet for a walk and they end up praying with people on the beach. How wonderful is that? Come on, that's the Jesus thing. It's the Jesus thing. Jesus is coming back soon. When that is, I don't know. But Jesus is coming back for a pure and perfect bride. Let's all stand to our feet, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just pray this morning as we go into our song of worship. Father, I thank you for every single person here this morning. Lord, we thank you that you are the God who beholds. And Lord, you spoke it over 1,500 times in your word. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold. And Father, I pray for those who don't know Jesus here this morning, that they will behold the Lamb of God. They will behold Jesus, like Roberto Firmino. Their people will come to know you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray for your church. I thank you for every single person that's here today and every single person that's part of this body. Lord, I pray that you would use them for your glory. And Lord, I pray as boundaries are moved, as they move from one season to the next, I'm speaking this prophetically, that they would just know you with them on that journey. And they would move it, move it. They would move their legs. They would move their feet. And they see great things in this year. I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.